Amen, amen, amen. Brother Nelson, come. We love you. Amen. Obey the Holy Ghost tonight. God bless you. Praise the Lord, church. You all can be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Well, it's been a minute since I've been up here. And uh, first, I want to thank Bishop for the confidence he had to ask me to come up here and fill this spot here tonight. He knows the situation. And I just trust God's going to have his way. Side note, y'all had steak long enough. It's time for a good old-fashioned bologna sandwich. So you just get your mayonnaise and your mustard and your sliced bread out. We're going to have us a sandwich tonight. Hallelujah. But I want you to know, church, we love you. And we appreciate what God does for us and is going to do for us. But what I have to say here this evening, I want to preface before I get into this tonight by telling you the obvious, I guess, and that is the fact that you're a privileged individual. You're a privileged individual. I'm a privileged individual. We're lucky to be here. And I don't want God to ever think that I've forgotten from where it is he's brought me from. And the journeys that he has taken me down. And I just want him to know that I'm thankful. And I'm grateful for that. Hallelujah. He's a good God. He's a great God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, we could sit here tonight amongst one another and we could exchange stories about what God does for us. And so often we get caught up with the negative. Isn't that how we are? You know, we get all bent out of shape over the things that we hear on the news and and the things that are going on with the with the government and the dollar, and pretty soon before you know it, all we can do is put a big old frown on our face and walk around in the mully grubs and forget that this ain't what it's about anyhow. <laughs> this isn't what this isn't what this is about. Ultimately, our eyes are set on something much, much higher. And church, I just wanted to admonish you tonight before I get into my message that God has you in the palm of his hand. He's going to guide us through the things that are unstable. Oh, yes, he will. The unknown, we're going down some 
pathways we've never traveled before. But Bishop, you said it, and, and I can't remember what it is, forgive me, but you were talking about how God has room. I love that. I draw on that a lot. I draw a lot of strength from that. And it's the past, the present, and the future. And God can be in our present, and he can be in our future. He's just waiting for us to get there, Brother Hilton. He's already got everything figured out. He's already there. He's just saying, come on. Everything's going to be all right. Is there going to be bumps along the road? Yeah, sure there will be. But we're more than conquerors through him. Yes, we are. Thank you, Jesus. Well, if you would, stand with me tonight and turn to Matthew chapter 13. Brother Hilton asked me, he says, is this, did you bring your water bottle for the, what did you say, steam engine? <laughs> I told him, I said, no, I brought it up here because if I use that bottle with my essential trimmer, you guys would get a drink and I wouldn't. This got straw on it, so I'm safe. So that's why the purple jug is up here tonight. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 44. <clears throat> Jesus speaking says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and sell all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went, and sold all that he had and bought it. Church, I just want to speak to you tonight about this thought. I finally found it. I finally found it. If you would join with me, let's pray and ask the Holy Ghost to have his way. God, God, you know the opposition that's here tonight, Lord. I'm asking you to give us victory over that right now. God, that you would give liberty, liberty in this house here tonight, God. We need you, Holy Ghost. I pray use this, oh boy, God, I'm stepping out of the way. God, I need your anointing, Lord. If you don't anoint me, it's going to be a mess, God. But I put my trust, my confidence in you, God. Open, open our understanding tonight, God. Help us, Lord. Bind us together, God, I pray. Give us a deeper revelation, a deeper revelation, a deeper revelation of your word, God. And we give you the praise tonight in Jesus' name. Won't you clap your hands unto him before you're seated? Uh, go ahead and lift your voice and shout with a voice of triumph. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, there ain't nobody, nobody like you, God. Hey. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <clears throat> In this passage that I read to you here this evening, you've got two individuals that found something. I'm sure each one of us have experienced the relief and the joy of something that we finally found that we've been searching for for a while. 
whether it be that new car or chairs for the platform. Brother Goff, if you're listening, I got your back. If you didn't know, we're searching for new chairs for the platform. Or Brother Jerry, that trim that matches on a job we're working on. Go from store to store to store, and finally, there it is. And you think to yourself, I finally found it. And you can't wait to grab it, buy it, and get it home. Because, man, I've been looking for this for a long, long, long time. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Previously in this chapter, Jesus was teaching the parables of the word of God being like the seed and the type of ground that it falls on and the results from each. And, and followed by that, the parables of the tares is sown among the wheat. And just to finish explaining what was meant by the tares, being the wicked and the good seed, the children of God, and what will take place on judgment day. And then he seems to change gears and speaks the parable which was our scripture text. You see, in this parable, the Lord again describes two individuals who had found what they had been searching for. The man finding the treasure, no doubt, had passed by many fields. We don't know for sure. He doesn't allude to how long his search had gone on. But none caught his attention until he discovered the treasure in one of the fields. And when he did, his mindset changed, Brother Hilton, to the place to where he was willing to go and sell all that he had to buy that field. I'm sure, going along with what you said, Brother Hilton, tonight, I'm sure it wasn't convenient. I'm sure maybe the man even had family that looked at him and said, what in the world are you doing? You don't understand. You just got to trust me on this one. We're selling everything we got. There's a field that we're going to purchase. And the man sold all and he purchased that field. He withheld nothing. He withheld nothing. To buy that one field. The merchant who sought goodly pearls. Thayer's definition of goodly defines that word as beautiful. Handsome, excellent, eminent, choice, surpassing, precious, useful, suitable, commendable, admirable, beautiful to look at, shapely, magnificent, good, excellent in its nature and characteristics, and thereof well adaptive to its ends, genuine, approved, precious. No doubt he knew his pearls. And had inspected countless ones in his search. But can I say there came that day when he found that pearl of great price. And surely uh, in my mind I can't help but think that when he walked into the pearl market that day. And his eyes fell upon it. His heart leapt within him. He goes there it is. That's the pearl I've been looking for. I finally found it. The story was the same with the merchant man. He sold all to purchase 
that pearl. These men had put forth effort, energy to find these things. It wasn't just handed to them. It, take, it took effort. It took effort. You see, this treasure, this treasure church that I'm talking about here tonight, this pearl of great price is this true gospel found in God's word. Many people, many people take their Bibles and sit in denominal churches. Many people with Bibles on their coffee tables or bookshelves, they don't realize that contained within that book lies the hidden treasure. A pearl of great price. This being the true concerning salvation. Some never search the scriptures on their own. They'll just go to the churches and they'll sit and they'll bring their Bibles with them and sit on the pew and listen to the man speak. And the man may give a few scriptures and they may or they may not open their word. Bishop, I appreciate you when you tell us it's Bible study night. Get your Bibles out. too easy to get like you said take the easy road and watch the screen but there's just something about handling the paper there's something about opening that book that and sitting down with the printed word now I'm not against I'm not preaching against the phone and using your Bible on your phone. I'm not against all that. But I'm just, I'm just trying to bring something to your attention tonight. Especially you young people. You need to understand that the printed word in paper, there's, there's a difference. And so many people, they don't even crack it open. They come home after service and they'll plop it on the coffee table or wherever it's set. And that's where it'll sit till the next Sunday when they get up and they go back to church. You see, they're a peace and a conscience within themselves. I've gone to church. I took my Bible. But they didn't realize that contained within that that they're carrying home from them, from the church service, there's treasures beyond measure, brother. There's a pearl of great price that's just waiting for them if they would just put forth the effort. To open that book and search the scriptures for themselves. They'll begin to realize what the word of God has to say. You see, Jesus admonished the Pharisees who were upset that he had healed the man by the pool of Bethesda. And he made this statement that bears out attention. Jesus said, search, search the scriptures. He's telling the Pharisees. These cats go to synagogue. If anybody was doing, quote, unquote, the right thing, it would be the Pharisees, would it not? But here are the Pharisees, which you got to go back if you want to read in that, that, that chapter 5 of John about how that they reacted when he healed the lame man. They were so caught up with the fact that he did it on the Sabbath day that they couldn't even realize the good that was performed that day. They were also just caught up with the fact that, oh, you did wrong on the Sabbath. That was wrong. And Jesus says this, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. I'm talking about the pearl, and I'm talking about the treasure tonight. The Ponce Foundation says this, of over 2 billion Christians in the world, less than 30% will ever read through the entire Bible. 
Let that sink in a minute. Less than 30% will ever, ever, ever in their lifetime read through the Bible. What could be more important? I mean, I, I understand, you know, there's some things that bear some research when you're wanting to purchase like a new vehicle or a home. Or I understand that, but none of those compare to the research you need to put forth into the salvation of your soul. Young people, I'm talking about eternity. I'm not talking about something temporary. The car will break down. The house will need painted. But what you lay up in heaven, moth will not corrupt. Rust won't get to it. It'll be there waiting on you when you get to the other side, my friends. And again, brother, it's not convenient. It's not convenient. You gotta, you gotta put forth the effort. You gotta get out. You gotta walk that around looking at fields. You gotta search around. You gotta be looking. No, no, no. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. You gotta go to the market. You gotta sit there and go through the pearls and search through the pearls and turn the pages of the word of God and, and look into it for yourself and then all of a sudden something pops out to you and you say hey I never saw that before I'm talking about I finally found it hallelujah hallelujah oh God hallelujah I like the question Bishop asks in his book, and I'm not up here trying to get on your good side. I don't, I, don't, I don't play that. I am who I am. I love you. I support you. I'm a, I'm <laughs> but I like what you had to say, Bishop, in your book, Understanding the New Birth. If you haven't read that book, you need to read it. Is awesome. And in it, it says, you, you made this statement. Do you know you are saved? Or do you think you are saved? There's a big difference, folks. It's a huge difference. And Bishop goes on to describe how deceived people. Did you, did you catch that, that description of the people? Deceived. You know what deceived means? Everybody know what deceived means? You believe in something that's not true? It says that the, you said that the deceived people will literally argue with God himself about their spiritual status. You brought this scripture out, Bishop, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. <clears throat> it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. If you want to make heaven, you've got to obey God's word. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have we not cast out devils? In thy name done many wonderful works? Man, we've done some great things, God. We did. And it was in your name. What do you mean? Verse 23 cuts to the heart. 
And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Let's look back at our opening scripture again in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a treasure, singular, a treasure, not treasures, treasure hid in a field, singular, one field, one treasure, which the man, when he hath found it, he hideth for joy thereof, goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. I, I want to stop right there. I want to bring something out about his reaction to finding it with joy. With joy he went and bought it. He was excited about it. Yes, this is it. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl, one pearl of great price, singular, went and sold all that he had and bought it. One treasure in one field, one pearl of great price. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, there's one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. Brothers and sisters, there's only one way to be saved. There's one field. There's one treasure. There's one pearl. It's what I talked about before when people in denominal churches will sit there with their Bibles not realizing that they're being deceived. Their conscience feels better because they've gone to church. They made the effort. They feel like, well, I've gone to church. I'm a Christian. And there are probably some that sit in those services that will leave going, but there's got to be more. begin to search the scriptures bishop and God being God will will lead them and guide them to his word that's why we need to be sensitive church when we go about our day when we're going to the grocery store when we're going to the gas station we need to be sensitive because you don't know that that person that you seeing across there in the Holy Ghost is saying go talk to that one and you're, you're wrestling with, is it me, is it God, is it, what, what is it, pizza, what's going on here? You don't know that God has already been dealing with that person. And they're searching and they're looking for it. And you go walk up to them and you begin to strike up a conversation with them. You never know. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But so often us apostolics are labeled as being legalistic in our doctrine. Anyone in here ever heard that? My question is how proclaiming the truth of God's word, how is that legalistic? That makes about as much sense as me telling my doctor if he gives me the prognosis that I've got cancer. You're just being a legalistic doctor. 
looked at me like, buddy, which, which side of the bed you fall out of today and hit with your head? Oh, doctor, you just don't understand. You're being too harsh. You want to get better? Well, yeah. Well, then you've got cancer. We need to do it. Yeah, 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 but hold on a minute. That makes about as much sense. When somebody comes to you with truth, when, some, when truth is presented, to look at someone saying, you're being legalistic. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. My question to you is, was the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church of Galatia being legalistic, expressing his concern, his concern that some had fallen, from, fallen for false doctrine? He had this to say in Galatians chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. He says, I marvel. I marvel. I'm blown away that you're so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ and to another gospel. Oh, come on, Paul. You're being too legalistic. Do I need to remind you how many, time, how many ways there are to be saved? How many pearls were there? How many treasures were there? How many fields? There's one. How many lives do we get to live? We got one shot, church. We got one shot. And if you think I'm going to take somebody's ideas and live off of ideas, you're sorely mistaken. I want to know what that word of God says. I want the true gospel. I want the truth presented to me. I want to make heaven my home, man. I'm not playing games. One shot. One chance. God's not interested in my ideas and my theology. But what he is interested is in, in my obedience. That, that, that's what he's interested in. Because when he sees me and he sees my obedience, he can lead and guide me into all truth, Bishop. He's got somebody he can work with. But when you stand off with your arms folded going, well, I just don't see it like that. God goes, well, I don't know what else to do for you. What a condition that Verse 7, which is not another, but there be some that troubleth you, that trouble you, and would pervert, would pervert, would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you that that which you have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Do you notice he didn't say gospels? the gospel pearls treasures fields verse 9 as we said before so I say again he's saying boys I'm going to drive this nail deep because I want you to get this because you need to understand there's going to be some folks come around saying oh you don't need to do all that to be saved he says in verse 9 he says and we say before so I say again if any man 
preach any other gospel unto you that you have received, let him be accursed. My answer is no, a thousand times no. Paul was, was doing his best to see people saved. Church, we're talking about eternity and where we're going to spend it. We have that, again, one opportunity to make heaven. Hallelujah. That being said, should one base their beliefs on what man say or what the word of God says? Well, let's turn to Romans chapter 3, reading verses 1 through 4. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what, is some, for what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God none effect? Just because Pastor Joe doesn't believe that this is the way to be saved, does that make truth of none effect? It doesn't change the word. Doesn't master Pastor Pete, Pastor Frank. If he contradicts, again, let him be accursed. It says, shall it be of none effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true. But every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Doesn't matter what man says. As I was thinking about this, this actually, to, to be quite honest with you, I didn't tell you this. I should have told you this when I started my message. Those, that scripture talking about the field and the pearl, that's my, one of my favorite passages, stories in the Bible. Because I identify so well with the man searching in the field and the man searching for the pearl, Brother Hilton. Because I wanted to know how to be saved. And I wanted to know what the Bible had to say about how to be saved. Hallelujah. Paul admonishes the believers in Philippi, stressing the importance of obedience to the word of God when he said this. And I'm going to read uh, Philippians chapter 2 and 12 in the New Living Translation. He said, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. We've got to work at this, church. It takes effort. This true gospel, my friend, is a precious gospel. Mm. I said this is a precious gospel. The psalmist said like this in Psalms 19, beginning at verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, rejoicing the heart. Man, there's nothing like when you know, when you know, when you know that you're in truth. It rejoices the heart. Your step gets a little higher. Your eyes get a little wider. Your life becomes a little better. Because you know, you know, you are in truth. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More, more, more to be desired are they than gold. Yea, 
than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Let's lift our hands to the Lord right here at that. Oh, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Oh, that's it, church. Thank him. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for truth, God. I'm a, I'm a privileged individual, God, to know, to know, to know your word, God. That's it, church. Oh, yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. James in his epistle had this to say about the truth of God's word. In James chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive, the meekness, receive with meekness the engrafted. That word engrafted means implanted by nature. Also means implanted by others' instruction. Is it important to be in church? That was free of charge. That didn't cost you nothing. We got to come to church. We got to hear the word so that our bishop can present the word and that word can become engrafted in us and become a part of us so that we can grow into the fullness of Jesus Christ. That's the goal, church. That's the goal. Why do you think your flesh fights you so hard 30 minutes before church? Why do you think the kids begin to fuss 30 minutes before church? Why do you think all of a sudden now you remember all the things you should have done before you come to church? It's because the flesh don't want you coming to church. Because the flesh warreth against the spirit. you got to be cognizant of that. you got to understand that it's a battlefield. It's going to happen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able, which is able to save your souls. But, in verse 22, he says, be ye doers, doers, doers. Everybody say, doers. doers. Say, doers. doers. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh in the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed. This man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the father of this to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself, keep himself, keep himself from unspotted from this world. We must not only be hearers of this truth of God's word, but we must also be doers. We must be bought in, sold out to this gospel. Just as these men that I read to you before with the field and with the pearl, they sold all they had to purchase it. They withheld nothing. So it should be with us. 
Proverbs 23 and 23 says, buy the truth. Buy the truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. Don't sell it. Don't sell it for convenience. Bishop been bringing up separation, and I'll get going to deal with that a little bit here tonight as well. Don't don't sell out for the latest fads, the latest fashions, the latest this, the latest that. Oh well, they're they're running three hundred over there. Oh really? Is the truth being preached? Is separation being preached? Is holiness being preached? I want, I want to be saved. I sold out to this. I sold out to this. I knew, I knew, Brother Jerry, when I, when I, when I finally made up my mind to get in church, I knew that I was going to have to break off some relationships with some friends that I had run with. I, I loved them. I loved my friends. Don't get me wrong. We was buds. We went through a lot of things together. But I knew that if I was going to be successful in living for God, there were some things I was going to have to get away from in order for myself to make it to heaven. And that's the same way it is for us. We can't hold on to old things and drag them along with us and think, oh, well, later on, maybe I might not. No, if the Holy Ghost is dealing with you to get rid of them, it's time to get rid of them. I told the story to you about the time when I, after service and I had had all those albums. Some of you might not even know what albums are. They're a round black thing that we used to listen to music on. Had a needle would play. That's what an album was. And I used to DJ dances at my dad's bar and I still had all, all them albums in my house. And been going to church and that night the Holy Ghost dealt with me. It was time. Time to get rid of them. I didn't sit there and go, but God, there's a lot of money there. I could sell those things, you know, and I could give the money to the church and I could be a blessing. No, the Holy Ghost says, get rid of them. Oh, I could get rid of them. So service was dismissed. I didn't shake hands. Wasn't trying to be hateful, but I had a job to do. And I went straight home. Pulled up in my garage, opened the back of my rigs, and went in and started hauling out cases upon cases upon cases of albums. And ran down to my dad's restaurant and threw them all in the dumpster. God knew there were some things there that if they stayed there long enough, they were going to start kind of maybe getting a hold of me again and dragging me back to being the old self again. And I had to get away from it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Buy the truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. And again, this is in the New Living Translation. It says, I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness, 
through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. So that one way or another, one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Jesus addressed those that had gathered at the temple and said this after being questioned by the Pharisees in John chapter 8 verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus saith unto the Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, singular, and the truth shall make you free. Shall make you free. Thayer's definition is to make free. To set at liberty from the dominion of sin. This precious true gospel will set you free and it will change you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Again, again. In the Bible study that we've been hearing from Bishop on Tuesday night, transform, not conform. I wanted to bring out that scripture he brought out in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Sounds to me like you're not going to withhold anything. Sounds to me like you're giving everything. And verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Again, church, when I first found this truth, this treasure, this pearl of great price, I was relieved and overjoyed. And I'm still, I'm still excited about this truth. I don't know if you can tell sometimes when I lead service, I get a little excited. Because in my mind as I'm leading service, I know where I come from. And I know what God has done for me. And you know what? I gave everything to the world. I'm going to give everything to him. Can I tell you, church? There were times that my voice lifted in rock concerts, shouted at rock concerts, screamed at games. You think I'm going to come in, get filled with the Holy Ghost, get saved, and become quiet? Oh, no, 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 no. No. Now I'm lifting my voice to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm going to shout unto him and let him know, hey, 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 hey. John Nelson still remembers where it is you found me. Oh, yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give him a hand clap of praise right there. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, there ain't nothing, there ain't nothing like living for God, church. There ain't nothing like living for Him. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hey, God. Hey, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
Oh, oh, I can tell you I no longer wanted to act, look, talk, walk like the world. I was sold out, lock, stock, and barrel. Getting back kind of to deal with that story about the album. Every box of albums when I told you I'm okay with this, I don't know. But every box that I took out of that vehicle and when it hit the dumpster, I felt it come. And that presence stayed with me till I got back to the vehicle and I picked up another box of music and I walked back over there. And threw that in, and I felt him again more. Every box, I felt him more. It was like he was putting his arm around me. And he's saying, when we get all of this junk out, me and you, we're going to have us a time. And we did. What you holding on to? What, 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 what's worth holding on to when you compare it to living for God? Ephesians chapter 4 verses 17 says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness and greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversations the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye may put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away all lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, we are members one of another. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be asking, so what does the word of God have to say about how one is to be saved? I want to take you to my favorite, another favorite passage in John chapter 3. Verse 1 says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. You want to talk about tradition. That man was in tradition. Say, well, grandma was a Baptist and great-grandma was a Baptist, so I'm a Baptist. Oh, really? Tradition won't save you. And here Nicodemus is the Pharisee, ruler of the Pharisees. Talk about tradition. Here this man's coming at night because there's something in his heart that's just, he's got to get some answers, and he knows he's got to go to Jesus. And he knows his buddies ain't going to like it if they see him doing it, so he does it at night. Verse 2 says, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. I know, I know Jesus was like, come on, that ain't why you're asking, this ain't what you're here for. I'm fixing to address what you're here for. And he says it in verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter 
into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or where it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And that was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. It says, now when they heard this, they were pricked in the heart. You can come to the music. They were pricked in the heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? I've been there. I've been there. Asking my buddies, what shall I do? Well, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you'll be saved. Really? Is that? Yep. Never cracking the book. Time goes on. Ask another buddy. What, what do I do? You see, I didn't, I didn't know until there came an apostolic preacher to my house with that exploring God's word Bible study and the tripod and the big big thing, big screen thing. And he began present to me the pearl. Brother Hilton, there were times I'd sit on the edge of my seat and I could feel tears welling up in my eyes and I was telling myself, don't you dare cry. Don't you let that man see you cry. And I'd be right there and he'd say, okay, that's it for this week. I'll see you next week. And I'm going, whoa, 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 what? what? Yep, see you next week. We would holding it up, loading it up, and all the while I'm going, but you, you just, yep, see you next week, and as he walked out that door, Brother Hilton, there goes Gabriel, and he kept dealing with me, throughout the week, you can play soft shit, whenever you figure out whatever you want. God would deal with me. I'd go to work. I'd think about what we talked about at the Bible study. Daniel, you're dead. I thought I cornered something that happened in my life. I got a bright sun this morning. I don't know what it was, but I'm going back to that field for just a quick minute. I want to see what it is. See, I've looked at a lot of pearls. But I heard, I heard about this one pearl. A lot of people have been talking about it. Let me talk, let me go look at it. This man walks into my house, sits down, and he asks me the question, John, how many gods are there? Sir, you're not looking at me being dummy. There's three. 
we're sitting there in my living room, and Anthony's hands are still asleep working on that Bible. And there were three coasters sitting on that table. He was just getting finished with his lesson on one dollar. He turns and looks at me and says, John, how many coasters do you see on this table? And I said, there's three. And he took those coasters down and he stacked them on top of his bed. He says, now how many do you see? And then I said the word with the scale literally fell from my hand and the light See, because I tried to read the word of God before and it just it didn't even make sense. But after I got that revelation, even at the condition that I was at, I could open up the word and I could start to understand some things. And my life started changing. And as every Bible study, he got on. And then he got on baptism and he got on the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It was like... selling everything goes everything's going I thought I thought about it I thought I, I thought I, everything's going this all stands